0: Shabbat shalom everybody welcome to HFF very glad you have made it let's open with prayer Father thank you for this day thank you for this time to gather together with friends and family Father to come together and worship you as like minded brethren Father that we would just come that we would acknowledge what you've done in our lives that we would put you first Father that we would love you with all of our heart, Father. Teach us those ways, Father. Let us love our neighbor, those here, those not, Father. Just teach us how to be what you want us to be, Father, as a community and as, as believers, Father. We just thank you so much.
1: How
0: goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, thy tabernacle is right, how, how goodly are thy tents, O Jacob. Thy tabernacles Israel and in thy great compassion I will come into your house there I will bow there O Israel rejoice, O Zion rejoice For the Lord your God has made you his delight Rejoice, O Israel rejoice, O Zion rejoice For the Lord your God has made you his delight Rejoice, rejoice, O Israel rejoice Oh Zion, rejoice, for the Lord your God has made you his delight. Rejoice. Oh Israel, rejoice. Oh Zion, rejoice, for the Lord your God has made you Israel rejoice Oh Zion Rejoice For the Lord your God Has made you his delight Rejoice, rejoice Oh Israel Rejoice Oh Zion Rejoice For the Lord your God Has made you his delight Rejoice Oh Israel Rejoice die and rejoice for the Lord your God Oh Zion, rejoice! For the Lord your God has made you His delight. Rejoice, O oh Israel! Rejoice, O oh Zion! Rejoice! For the Lord your God has made you His Has made you His delight. Has made you His delight. Has made you His delight. There yeah. daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men dream dreams. I'll pour out my spirit, my servants will prophesy, I'll show wonders in the heavens and signs in heaven the earth below yes in that day in day. Yes, can that day, in day. yes in that day yes in that day
1: Prophesy.
0: Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. I'll pour out my spirit. My servants will prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heavens and signs in the earth below. Just yes, in that day, in that
1: day, in
0: that day, in that day,
1: just in that day.
0: on the <laughs> Yes, in that day Israel, hear these words, hear these words, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be saved in that day. update Is she... be sun See You are awesome, God of power, Lord of glory, come and fill this place. You are awesome, God of power, Lord of glory, come and fill this place.
2: Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you, Lord, for this congregation, this place where we can join with our fellow brethren, Lord, and worship your name in this place. So, Father, you are worthy of all our praise and all of our glory, for you are our king. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this Sabbath. We thank you for all the blessings you pour upon us here in this place, in our community. And, Father, we love you and thank you on this Sabbath day. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Here at HFF, we like to take the, at least the first five minutes of teaching to talk about the first five books of the Bible, the books of the Torah, and we follow along with the Torah cycle, and we find ourselves this week in the Torah cycle starting the book of Numbers. The Torah portion is called Bamidbar, which means in the wilderness, which comes from these first, uh, the first phrase of the book of Numbers. In the English, we call it the book of Numbers because the Septuagint decided to call it that because there's lots of numbers and there's a number count of the children of Israel. And we figure out how many people and how many uh, sons of Israel came out of Egypt. And yes, there's a lot of numbers in this book, but the main theme of this book is actually the Hebrew title, which is in the wilderness. What's going to happen is the children of Israel are going to leave Mount Sinai where they've received all of the instructions from God, through Moses, for the building of the tabernacle, for the sacrifices, for the commandments that they're to keep, and they spent a, a time, a, a, over a year at Mount Sinai, and so now they're going to leave Mount Sinai with all of those instructions, and they're going to then go into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. Many of us who know this book and have studied this book, we know that not there's going to be some things that are not so great that are coming the way of the children of Israel. There's going to be some rebellions. There's going to be some things that cause this generation that left Egypt 20 years and older that they will not go to the promised land. There's going to be mistakes made. Now, yes, there's been some mistakes made in our previous books. We obviously had the waters of bitterness at Mara, but nobody died there. We did have the sin of the golden calf, And we know, obviously, through history how bad of a sin that was. But if you really think about it, 3,000 sons of Israel died because of that. We're going to have some rebellions in this book that are going to cause a lot more sons of Israel to die, up in the 20,000s, 14,000 and some in the rebellion of Korah. All of those things are coming down the pike because we know we've read the book. We know the story, know how that goes. What would you do if you could talk to the children of Israel right here at this time? If you could go to them and you could say, hey, this is what's going to happen. There's gonna be, you're going to crave quail and there's gonna be the, the, you're going to ask for meat and then you're going to eat it and you're gonna, there's going to be a plague among the children of Israel that are going to die because you guys demanded meat. You had flocks at your feet, but you demanded meat and God sent quail, but then you died with it still in your teeth while you're eating it. What would you say to the 12 spies that are going to go into the land of Israel and then come back with the bad report? What would you say to Korah if you got to meet that guy and you know knew, hey, this is the guy that's going to lead that giant rebellion? What would you say to him? What about Zimri, the, the priest that took Cosby as his wife, and then at the end of this book, Phineas is going to go and right through him and his new bride? And that caused a whole number of sons of Israel to die as well. What would we do? What is the thing that caused all of these terrible things that we know are coming in the story of the children of Israel? What is the thing that caused all of those rebellions to happen? Why couldn't the children of Israel have just obeyed the Lord? They would have been in the promised land. You wouldn't even gotten to that point because the spies, if the spies just had done a good report, they would have walked into the promised land just like the Lord commanded them to do. But they didn't. Why? Why did they so not... Listen to the Lord, because here at the book of Numbers, every single one of those men were counted. They were a part of the people of God. They had a number, they had a place, they stood in their tribe, they stood at the banner of their tribe. They all had a place and a purpose in God's kingdom, and they were numbered accordingly. Why couldn't they just have been happy with where they were? Following the Lord, following the lead. In the case of Korah, why couldn't he just do the job that he had? The sons of Kohath in our Torah portion talks about how they got to carry the articles of the tabernacle. And the, and the legend goes that Korah was one of the men that carried the Ark of the Covenant. Why couldn't he just been happy carrying the Ark of the Covenant? Instead, he had to go and start a whole rebellion. It's because they didn't listen to where God, what God wanted for their life, the calling and the place and the purpose that he gave them to do, he wasn't happy with it. He wasn't happy with where he was counted. What tribe he may have been under. He wanted, he wanted to be something else, someone else. In the beginning of our Torah portion here at the book of Numbers, God calls by name 12 men who are leaders among the tribes of Israel. Twelve men are listed right here in the first chapter of the book of Numbers that are called by name by God. These were called by God to be the leaders of the tribes. So if you fast forward to Numbers chapter 13, and they're getting ready to send men into the land to represent each of the tribes to come back with a good report, who did they send? Twelve other guys of their choosing. You can compare Numbers 13 and Numbers chapter 1. Not one man is the same that was called by God here. Now, we do know there was at least two good men that were chosen by the people, Caleb and Joshua. But they still, why in the world did they not take the elected representatives of the tribes that God called by name to go into the land? If they had gone, would the good report have come back? Maybe. Maybe these men weren't the most qualified. Maybe there were other people in the tribes that saw this guy named Nishan of the tribe of Judah. Was he the most qualified to lead the tribe of Judah? I bet there were people in the tribe of Judah that thought, I'm better than that guy. Or any of the other ones that were called. And that's exactly what Korah thought. Why is Moses, why is Aaron the high priest? I'm more qualified than Aaron. I want to be the high priest. It's because they were not, there were people in the camp that were not happy with where God had placed them. The thing is, is we can take great application to that In every single one of our lives, wherever you find yourself, do you ever sit around, look at your surroundings, and find yourself in a place, and you're like, man, I'm tired of this. I have this job that I do every single day. How did I even get this job? I got this job on a whim, and I've been working it for 10 years, and I'm tired and exhausted every day. But maybe you have a family, maybe you have a home, maybe that's supported you and that's been there with you to help you throughout your entire last 10 years of your life. Moms, you get tired with the kids and it's like, why in the world am I with all these kids every single day? I'm so tired. But the thing is, is that the Lord has placed us all somewhere where we can be a benefit to our fellow brother. It's when we think we know best for our life that usually when mistakes get made, if we think that there'd be a better job we should do and we're just going to, you know, forget this one that came at, came, I came by happenstance that has helped me for 10 years. I'm going to quit that job and I'm going to go start what I really want to do. Are you going to be successful taking your life in your own hands and doing that? Probably not. If you're in your job and you think you're more qualified than your boss and you're going to go in and you're going to raise a big stink and you're going to say, I'm better than he is at this job. I'm going to go over his head. Is that going to do very good for you in your job? We need to find contentment in the place that God has placed us, where he has counted us and where he has brought us all to this place. Everybody here that's sitting here, what are you doing in the middle of nowhere, central Oklahoma? Really? Of all the states of the Union, why are you here? <laughs> the Lord has brought every single person here to this place. Everybody in this community and every, every blessing that you have, all the friends that you have. I don't know how we got here. Our ancestors lived somewhere else in the world, but we ended up here. One of the last states of the Union and
1: people,
2: people forget about Oklahoma when they're trying to remember all 50 states. Other people around the country, they forget about Oklahoma. Only when it's football season do they remember us. The Lord has brought you to this place. He has given you the life, and he has counted you among his people. Have contentment where you are. Don't stir up any rebellions. Don't be angry with where you are and what God has done for you. Because when you do, that's when people get hurt. That's what we can learn from our ancestors as they journeyed in the wilderness and thought they knew better. Let us continue to follow the leading of the Lord where he leads us and guides us as we navigate the wilderness of every single one of our lives. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sabbath day. We thank you for your teaching your instruction as we begin the book of Numbers, Father. Father, let us take heart and let us learn from the mistakes of our forefathers like never before. May we find contentment in the place where, he, where God puts us, Lord, where you put us and plant us, and may we be counted by you and not by ourselves. Let us not look to be in the majority of a certain group of people. Let us not look to only be with our friends and whoever God brings and you, only, you choose to reject the friends that God has brought you and you try to find the friends and the relationships for yourself. Father, may we find contentment and peace in all the brethren, Lord. And Lord, as we worship together, Lord, we know and when we find other brethren, Lord, and we're submit to, submitted to your spirit, Lord, then we know we are with our brothers, we are with our family, and that may we all be called by you. May we be that remnant, Lord, that you have called out of the nations, that worships you, and praises you, and follows your word and your teaching and your instruction. We thank you, Lord, now for the Sabbath, and again for this congregation, the blessing that we have here in this place. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. If we could bring up the kids, let's pour out a blessing upon them this week. Hey, bud. As a family fellowship, we always want to pour out a blessing upon our children. We know they are our future. They are a blessing to us and to our families.
3: You guys are awful cute. Oh, oh yeah, you guys too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for these wonderful blessings that you've placed in our lives, that you've brought to this fellowship and uh, into our households and, and uh, into our families. Father, we ask that you would help these children to see your light. May they be guided by the gentle uh, hand of your Holy Spirit, all the days of their lives. May their steps be ordered, that they may follow you in paths of righteousness, and that their lives may bring you glory in everything that they do and everything that they seek. We ask, Father, that you would bless the young men like Ephraim and Manasseh. May they be fruitful. May everything they apply their hands to bear fruit. May they be successful in everything they they do. We pray that the young ladies would be like Ruth and like Esther. May their word be their bond. May they be faithful and true to you and to your kingdom and your community. We ask, Father, that your hand of blessing would be upon these young men and young ladies to be the next generation, that generation that does mighty things for your kingdom and for your name's sake. We thank you, Father, and we pray all these things in the name of your son, Yeshua. Amen.
4: Mommy, she needs you. I had a microphone, so. Just a voice crying out in the wilderness. Make way the path to mommy. Not sure what version that is, but I probably wouldn't read that version if I were you. Shabbat shalom, everybody. How are you? All right, so I'm gonna ask you all to stand up with me. I know some of you just sat down. Take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. All right, you can sit down. All right, so the message today has the truth set you free? You gotta love Shutterstock, they make it very easy on you to find images to help uh, help you with your teachings. Help kind of add to the visual of that um, last week, I had the the blessing and the privilege of attending a conference on worship in uh, Jasper, Georgia, which was about the halfway point between Atlanta, Georgia, and Chattanooga, Tennessee and the whole premise of the con- uh, conference was for people to come together and teach. And focus on nothing but worship. Obviously from a Hebraic perspective that doesn't just include uh, stringed instruments or singing, it includes temple service, it includes uh, prostration, it includes all those types of things. Um, But it was a fantastic conference and at that conference I had a chance to meet a bunch of people uh, that I had never met before and see some people that I had not seen uh, since I think about 2011. with some of the other conferences that I used to uh, get to attend and be a part of. And so um, I'm really happy to be back. Uh, But there was some things that came out in in that conference and some some conversations that really tied into uh, conversations that I have seen happen locally, um, things that I have seen happen um, on the Internet. And the Lord... Kind of poked a little question into my mind as I was sitting on a plane with some extra leg room. Southwest loved me and gave me gave me the seat where I got to like lay my legs out, which was very, very nice because I'm six foot six. And those other ones, it's like a cattle hauler don't work well for me. So as I was sitting there and focusing on the Lord, he asked me, he goes, are we really free? Have you guys really been set free? Chris, have you been set free? Now, when we were in a Sunday-keeping church, regardless of the denomination that we were in, we spoke about the fact that uh, because Jesus had resurrected from the dead and because we accepted Jesus as our Messiah, that we were set free. Set free from the law, set free grace covers a multitude of sin, all these types of things, we were set free. And then somewhere along the journey in your life, the Lord started to show you the Old Testament. He started to show you the the feasts. He started to show you uh, different Hebraic things, uh, the Sabbath day, and all of those things. And then through our obedience, we now say that we've been set free with the understanding being that we also have Messiah. But have we really been set free? Now, we started off with Yeshua, Most of us started off with Yeshua. Uh, Obviously, everybody's walk is a little bit different. And then we came into the feast. We came into the Sabbath. We came into the kosher. We came into the calendar. Which calendar? We came into the name. Which name? Have we really been set free? Because when I think of being set free, I personally think of bitterness. I think of hurt. I think of jealousy. I think of envy. Those are the things that I think of personally when I look at being set free from something. You know, sometimes uh, uh, Lex Meyer, he's, he's a congregational leader in the area. He just put out a teaching on being set free from sexual immorality, from the lust of the eyes and the heart. And a lot of other things can fall into that. But have we been set free from those things? Have we been set free from the bitterness we have against our neighbor have we released someone of wrongdoing or are we walking through the motions in our daily lives the sabbath the feast staying away from the lobster or wearing our beards i got a five o'clock shadow here ztot talit katan kippa no kippa whatever Are we walking through the motions and we're more concerned with an outward holiness than we are with an actual spiritual cleansing and a release from what's actually in our hearts? Because even the disciples, the ones who got to know Yeshua on one of the most intimate level, one betrayed him, one denied him, The other one said, I'm not going to pull out a sword. And he pulled out a sword. So even the disciples show throughout their time, the ones that were handpicked by the Messiah. The Messiah could have taken any person he wanted, and he chose them. Even they had faults, even they were not perfect. And I know that most of us don't think we're perfect. You have a one-on-one conversation. I have almost never heard anybody say that they're perfect, irregardless of what denomination or how many years they've been keeping the feast. I've never heard that. But is the attitude that we put forth one that shows that we believe that we are on a different playing field from others? Because in, in my heart, one of, the, one of the verses that has always stuck with me from when I was young was 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So he can cleanse us if we confess with our mouth what's going on in here. Which is interesting to me because ultimately we don't need to confess it for him to know. He already knows If if you have a relationship with the Lord, he already knows the moment you go to Google. He already knows the moment you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about, oh, well, nobody's going to know if I eat that pepperoni pizza today. He already knows what's going on inside your brain the moment you sit at the off-ramp and there's a homeless person sitting there and you just say, man, that guy ain't worth nothing. He already knows. You don't have to say it. He knows. He's there with you. And so... If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Okay, so let me ask you, how many of you have been a part of Messianic communities, Messianic congregations, anything Messianic? Hebrew roots, Hebraic roots, Messianic Judaism, The Way, Nazarene, whatever you want to call it. Because there's all kinds of names meant to divide. The Lord's people. But how many of you have been part of that? Or one of the biggest elements of the gathering is for you to be able to come forth and confess your sins and be open with your brothers and sisters. How many of you have you been a part of something where that is a regular occurrence? We've got one. Okay. Why? You know, I've been in just about every denomination of church. I've led worship on the Baptist teams back when I was 13 and non-denominational, evangelical free and all that. And every single week you're in the foyer of that church and you're talking to somebody. It's like, man, I had a really rough week. You're in the men's group. You're hanging out in the youth group. It's, man, man, you wouldn't believe what I did this week. Man, I am so ashamed of the decision I made. There was no hiding you had open communication of confession of the mistakes that you made. Now, I'm not perfect, and I'm definitely not the wisest person in the room. But I have to believe that we're still making the same types of mistakes. Maybe we've gotten better in some areas. But I have to believe that we're not, we have not reached the perfection of Messiah at this point in time. Everything I read in Scripture says that that will not come until His second coming. So we are a constant work in progress. Now, what if it's not even sin? What if it's just kind of a, a gray area? What if it's, we just give off the impression that we're rude? Or we just give off the impression that we can't be talked to? Does that help strengthen the relationships within the body? Or does it make people adjust their behavior to stay away? I know it does. I know it does because I've had multiple people inside the congregation tell me, hey, you're always running around, left and right. You're always running around doing something. It gives the appearance that you don't care. You don't care about sitting down and talking to Brian or to James. Never my intention. But I can definitely see why that's the perception that would be given. Ephraim did a fantastic teaching about a month ago, two months ago, three months ago. My time's really bad. Uh, My wife will correct me when I get down on perception versus reality. So, I've talked in previous teachings, and this is a reoccurring theme with me, because this is something that I really feel like for this season of the Messianic movement of of the world where we're at. It's important. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, in order for us to confess our sins, in order for us to move forward, in order for us to be set free, we must first be able to overcome bitterness. Anger, pride, jealousy. We must start to take responsibility for our own actions. I'm 36 years old. My mom can no longer punch my ticket to heaven. My wife can't punch my ticket to heaven. My best friend can't punch my ticket to heaven. I don't get to carpool We have to take responsibility. Now, this isn't different. The same responsibility that the Lord has called us to today is the same responsibility we had in our faith when we were sitting in a Sunday pew. And yet, we hear all the time people talking about the fact that it was the pastor of that church. They're the reason why I didn't know the truth. They're the reason why I was lied to. They're the reason why the world is going astray. And yet the same responsibility that we have sitting here today on this Sabbath service is the same responsibility we had in our walk with God every single Sunday we sat in a pew. Every single Sunday. Just because Ephraim, Daniel, myself, Gage stand up here and teach From the word of the Lord doesn't make it any less your responsibility to make the relationship between you and the Father yours and to go check it yourself, to go read it to yourself and then pray about it. Spend intimate time with the Father. You're not going to be set free by reading some sort of 12 step manual. You're not going to bring relationships together by following some 12-step manual. Hey, I'll give you these 12 bullet points. I'm going to go walk up to Jeff and we're going to end up being best friends cuz I'm just going to I'm going to walk out these 12 steps. No, it's relationship based. It ebbs and flows. It changes. So we cannot be mad at somebody else who taught us to the best of their ability. And we never bothered to open it up ourselves. Well, we never bothered to hit our knees and talk to the Lord. And we never bothered to do it. That's on us. Okay, so we've now done that, right? We've done that. We've come out of Sunday churches. We're here keeping a Sabbath fellowship. We're keeping the feasts. We're keeping the Moedims. We say the name or understand the name if you say that. You eat kosher. All these different things. You understand Hebrew to a certain degree. And yet we still have... A lot of the same problems that we see in the world. So it couldn't have been just the church that caused these problems for us. I don't believe it was. I believe, honestly, it's still us. We must take responsibility. There's something inside us. That causes us to see others. Causes us to see God. Causes us to walk the way we walk. There's something inside of us. Now not every person shares the same exact issue. Not every person struggles with the same thing. Some people are far more outgoing than others. Some people are far more engaging than others. We all have our roles. The Father has made each one of us uniquely beautiful. There is... No one exactly like you. Now, ultimately, we are in the place we're at right now on our spiritual walk because we're looking to find the truth. That's what I hear. We're trying to find the truth. I hear a lot of people say they found the truth. Yeshua said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We use the word truth to represent many other things. The feasts, the dietary, the calendar, the Hebrew language, all of these things. But Yeshua himself says, I am the way, the truth, the life. He's the lens by which we should see everything. Everything. And I believe if we're genuinely seeking Yeshua, I believe you're going to find it. I believe he's going to continue to open your eyes. He's going to give you revelations. He's going to lead you. But it's a relationship. And I don't know, for those of you who are married, if you're not putting any time into your marriage, how's that working out for you? So let's use that same situation. If you're not putting any time into your marriage with the Lamb of God, how's that working out for you? If it's tense every time you hit your knees and talk to the Lord, it means you're not talking enough or you're not listening enough. And I've had some of those moments. I have them more frequently than I care to admit. Where I'm talking to the Lord and sometimes it's just like, my kids are here. Be quiet. Be quiet. Just be quiet. I have answered you. You're not listening. None of that matters. Stop trying to bribe me. Stop trying to do all these things. I've answered you. It's there. You're just not listening. Happens all the time. So are we really free now that we've come out of Sunday? We've come out of Red Lobster We've come out of uh, January, February, March, April, May, and we're now in Tishri. We've come out of these things. Are we really free? You know, there is this art, and I have to give—I have to give credit where credit is due. I was having a conversation with uh, Pastor Pastor Aubrey of Wake Church, who is a church who's now meeting here on Sunday. Fantastic man! Uh, did a lot of work here this week. Um, I was having a talk with him and I was kind of explaining what the Lord had on my heart and what I was studying and and going through in preparation for this message. And I, I talked to him and he said, oh man, that sounds just like this Japanese art. He's like, look it up. Kintsugi is the name of the Japanese art. Now this Japanese art is finding beauty in broken things. And see, they actually go a step further. They take the adhesion, the glue, whether it's a pot or it's a dish or a bowl or whatever. They take the glue and they put gold dust in it and particles of gold in it. And when they put it back together where all the cracks were, there's this beautiful gold inlay. And they actually talk about by putting something that was broken back together, it actually becomes more beautiful than it was Originally. So, for the sake of a heavy topic, I decided that I would lighten the mood a little bit on it so hopefully we can be realistic with ourselves and with the Lord. I do not believe, even though I hear it a lot, that the church is the source of our frustration, of our anger, that the church is what did us wrong. I honestly believe it was before the church. And I don't, don't be intimidated with the hammer. I know it looks like he's going to fling that thing. He's going to hurt me. And then I'll have something to confess and forgive about. And then I will be able to prove my point of my teaching. No, I'm just joking. We're born and we're a pot. You know, pot or clay. You know, can I, can I be that cliche on this Sabbath day? We're a pot. In that pot, there grows life. Every season comes, something grows, it dies. You must nurture it. You must water it. The pot is all one. It wasn't the church. No, for some of you, it was the age of two. Maybe your parents left. Maybe your father walked out. For some of you, you were nine, seven, 13, 35, 40, parents divorced, you divorced. Some of you were abused mentally, physically, emotionally. Some of you, it was in your workplace. Some of you, it was at war. And something happened. And here's the irony of this. As I was praying about this this week, the Lord gave me An aha moment. See, I work full time ministry for Lion and Lamb and for HFF and I help as many as I can. It's where my heart is. It's where my passion is. And this week we had the opportunity to help a ministry in California. And I went with another one of the employees to go get something that was needed for them. That was going to be a donation. They desperately needed something to be able to help with their students. And we did all research. We did everything right. The Lord opened the door. And so we were running to go get this. And in order to get what it was, we had to get a trailer. So I called. I got a trailer, proper trailer. Gave them the dimensions, everything. Drove about an hour away. Got there. The guy had multiple offers, more than we could afford. And he said, but I'm going to keep my word. I told you I'd I'd give it to you are like, fantastic. Thank you, Lord. This is a blessing. Got a chance to kind of minister to him, tell him why we were getting it, so on and so on. Thought it was awesome. We go to drive that thing into the trailer. Won't fit. And I called. I gave him all the dimensions. The dimensions were correct, but it wouldn't fit. So I call the U-Haul place in Guthrie, wonderful Guthrie. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a one-way rental. We can't take it. You got to go all the way back to Norman with that. Well, can we just drop it here, pay the extra day, come back, whatever? No, it's got to it's go back tonight. So I called Norman. I said, the trailer we got it's not the right trailer. It's not going to haul what we need. We're all the way in Guthrie. You know, it's two hours now. Like, we're wasted half a day on this. Can we just, can you just help us out? Get us a car hauler that has no sides. It'll do whatever. Nope, sorry, you got to bring it all the way back. So we decided, looked at the timing. We're going to drive all the way back to Norman, drop off the trailer, and get the car hauler. So we drive there. They're supposed to have one on rental for us. We walk through the door, and the lady goes, oh, I'm sorry. It's a 24-hour notice to uh, use a car hauler because we must make sure that whatever you're hauling, that it can fit on there. I said, ma'am, we've spent a whole entire day on this. You know, like, we need to go get that today. It has to be out at this guy's house today. She's like, all right, let me see what I can do. So she ended up being able to pull some strings, and we got it, and we drove back to Guthrie. whole time, I'm looking at my phone. Why am I looking at my phone? Because my daughter's last volleyball game was that night. And I missed the week before because I was traveling. And so I knew how important it was. Because see, I, I very rarely miss my son's baseball game. I'm, I'm one of his coaches. So how important it was. So we run up there, drive as fast as we can. We load it up. Loads right up, gets on, haul it, come back. Sat for an hour. Didn't even make it to, didn't even make it to 35 and just sat for an hour. Pulled in in the middle of her game, the office. Literally drove the thing into the warehouse as quickly as I could. Hopped in the car, said, you're going to have to take that back. I got to go. I pulled in and everybody else was walking out. And at that moment, that moment, I shattered my daughter. Now, each one of us have had a moment like this. Each one of us have had a moment where we have shattered whether ourselves or someone else. And you have to stand there and you have to look at that person in the eye. Now, I'm 36 years old. Some of you are older than me. Some of you can no longer look that person in the eye because maybe it was your father or was your mother and they're dead. Maybe it was an aunt or an uncle and they're gone. Maybe it was a friend in college and you've never spoken to them since then. So you can't look them in the eye anymore. But in your mind, you still see them. You're not free. You haven't set them free from the sin that they created against you. And you're not free. Now, in all the counseling that I do, you get a friend, they come and they help you put the pieces back together. And then you find the Lord. And you go to Sunday church, you go to Sabbath service, whatever. And the living water keeps pouring in. But that water is still going to come out. It's only going to get to a certain point. Because there's nothing in that crack. It hasn't been restored. And just like any good adhesive, it takes at least two hours Sometimes 24. And you got to clamp it down before that bonds together. Well, that's just, that's a picture of our relationship with Messiah. Overnight, we want to have every revelation. Overnight, we want to be able to speak of what the prophet Daniel meant. Overnight, we want to have the ability to heal. When the whole entire time he's been trying to get you to heal. You want to see the powers of Messiah at work? We got to start with ourselves first. He's trying to work on us. He's trying to put our pot back together. Right now, that's just about useless. And it's ugly. But you pick up the pieces, you put it back together, and it becomes whole. Or kintsuki, it actually becomes more beautiful than it originally was. Because through the brokenness, we have been restored. <laughs> there are a lot of people. I met them last weekend as well. Who have been walking around in the Messianic faith. Who have been walking around in the Torah observing faith. Whatever you want to call it. And they're just as broken as the day they found Messiah in the Sunday church. They've never dealt with it. They've never dealt with it. So why? Why would the father allow this to happen? I mean, that's the normal question. If you've had a traumatic event that's happened in your life, why would the father allow that? Now, mine's traumatic. A nine-year-old little girl was crushed. I had to stand in front of people from this congregation as she cries her eyes out because her daddy didn't get to come to watch her volleyball. And it seemed so small. To her, it's not. Her daddy wasn't there. This is minor in comparison to some of the things that each one of you have dealt with in your life. That is minor in comparison to somebody who was sexually abused. That is minor to somebody who found out that their spouse was walking out and breaking the covenant of their marriage. These are minor. But God's the only way you're going to get restoration. And the number one thing that I hear is, why would God allow that to happen? Go with me to John 9, 3. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man, his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent us. For night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am that man. How then are your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go and wash. So I went and washed and I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know he said. So the Pharisees came to investigate the healing. They brought the Pharisees to the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Shabbat. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and I can now see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. See, we think it's new that we argue over the Sabbath. It's not new. They're fighting over the Sabbath in the days of Yeshua in the first century. But they said, This man is not from God. For he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say who was born blind? How is that that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who has opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him, for he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders and who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Yeshua was the Messiah would be put out of their synagogue. That is why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Everything we see now, none of it's new. They were fighting the same things in the first century. Now, it's more exacerbated because it's social media. They can hide behind a keyboard. These men weren't afraid to be face-to-face. They were having these conversations face-to-face. This wasn't one MySpace page pinging another MySpace page, throwing up a hashtag, the real Donald Trump on Twitter. No, they were face-to-face having these conversations. Today, we just hide behind keyboards. "'A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. "'Give glory to God by telling the truth,' they said. "'We know this man is a sinner.' "'The man who was blind replied, "'Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. "'One thing I do know is I was blind, but I can now see.' "'Then they asked him, "'What did he do to you? "'How did he open your eyes?' "'He answered, "'I have told you already, but you did not listen. "'Why do you want to hear it again?' Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. Again, not new. We follow the words of Moses. I've seen that on Facebook a hundred times the last four weeks. I follow Yeshua. Yeshua brings clarity to the words of Moses. Moses. Moses can't heal me. Moses can't punch my ticket into heaven. Moses cannot forgive me of my sins. He cannot cover me. Yeshua can. Then the man answered, now that is remarkable. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to a godly person who does his will nobody has ever heard of opening of the eyes of a man born blind if this man were not from god he could do nothing to this they replied you were steeped in sin at birth how dare you lecture us and they threw him out why do these things happen why why are they happening to us now It's because we still need to understand that God is alive. Because too often we rotely walk through the feast, through the commandments. Our hearts are far from him. And yes, we're obedient. Yes, we do it. But only, like my child, does the dishes. Not with a happy heart. I heard that. Why does God allow there to be hurt in the world now? It's because we need to know he's still alive. It's because we need to be able to stand up and say, that man is a prophet. When they're saying, he doesn't keep the Sabbath. He's a sinner. He doesn't belong here. Ecclesiastes 3 talks about the times and the seasons. There are times and seasons for everything. Time to be born, time to die, time to mourn, and time to dance. There's some of you who have been keeping the feast, have been keeping Hebrew calendars, I've been keeping the commandments to your best of your ability. But your pot still looks like that. And you haven't been set free. And Moses can't do it. I can't do it. Only Messiah can do it. So I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to get out of the Lord's way, and we're going to play a song called I See the Lord. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and have a conversation with the one who created your pot. And if there is anything that's still there. I'm going to ask you to have that conversation with him. Because in order for us to truly be set free, we have to ask him to set us free. And we have to set others free. In order for us to move forward in our life, in our relationship with God, he's got to be able to put this back together again. So whether you want to pray here, pray in your seats, you want to stand and pray, you want to kneel and pray, that's between you and the Lord, not between you and me. But I'm going to, I think the minutes, it's a five-minute song, and I'm going to ask that you spend those five minutes talking to God and that you don't leave here today the same way you came in. Ephraim.
5: See the Lord, and this train fills the temple. See the Lord, He is high. Angels
1: cry Holy,
5: holy is the Lord Angels cry Angels cry okay it he, he touched the cold to my lips me, whom shall I send? And I say, Lord, my house and my land and my cars and my job and my family and my stuff is not more important than you.
6: Lord, you are the most important person in our life, and no one is more important than you, and that is because you are awesome, you are the God of power, and you are the Lord of glory, and we thank you for this time that we've had to come before you, to prepare our hearts with you, and to get ourselves straight with you. You you said that the greatest commandment was that we were to love you, and the second greatest was to love our neighbor. As you continue in prayer, let me just lift up to you some things, some neighbors that we can be praying for and praising God for. We praise God for the surgery that Patrice had this week on her knee. We ask that you continue to pray for her as she's in pain, and that God would continue the healing in her knee. Continue to lift up Patrick and for the family as he comes to understand what it's going to be like to live without someone he's lived with for over forty years. And in the same I ask you to continue to pray for Monty and his family as they're continuing to heal from the loss of Lynn. We continue to lift up Daniel and pray that you God would give him the job that he needs to support his family. And we thank you that you have that perfect job for him. We thank you for the new life that Leisha is getting ready to, to, uh, to bring forth and ask that you would continue to pray for her, for the, for the boy that's in her, and that he would arrive safely. And we lift up Ariana to you and the problems that she has with her back and ask that you would heal that. That you would take the pain away from her. So Father, we thank you that not only can we come before you and pray for our relationship with you, for those things that are broken in our lives that only you can fix but I thank you that we can come and pray for those that we love and for the broken things that are in their lives and likewise we know that you can heal those things, that you can put that gold powder in that glue and that after you have healed the brokenness in each of us that we are more beautiful than we were before. So we thank you for this time that we've had And we ask that you would bless us now as we get ready to leave. And that you would take the things you've done in our lives today and continue to use them as we go forth. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen.
2: If we could all rise, please. I do have one quick announcement to make. Apparently that uh, a formal announcement is coming soon, but uh, happy to report that uh, Jensen and Hosanna had their baby last night, so we'll be excited to uh, see the formal announcement as that comes out. But the Lord answers prayer. Amen. And the Lord spoke unto motion and said, tell Aaron and his sons, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel." Yivorechachah. <speaking in Hebrew>
0: khune kha yisa runai phanavi le
2: kha Shalom. Bashim Yishu HaMashiach, Sarcha Shalom, Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, Shalom.